brings the hadith. The first hadith is the chapter 2. And Ubadah ibn As-Samid, radiallahu anhu, qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man shahida an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah, wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh, wa anna isa, wa anna isa abdullahi wa rasooluh, wa kalimatuhu alqaha ila maryam, wa ruhum min, wa anna aljannata haqqun, wa anna annara haqqun, أدخله الله الجنة على ما كان من الأمر أخرجاه. The author is saying, obviously in the chapter being excellence of Tawheed and the sins that it wipes away. Says from Ubadah ibn Asbamid رضي الله عنه who said, Allah's Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said, whoever bears witness that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone with no partner for him. And that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger and that Isa is a slave of Allah and his messenger and that he came about by his word that he sent to Maryam and that he is a spirit created by him, and that the paradise is true, and the hellfire is true, then Allah will admit him into paradise, whatever his deeds were, whatever his actions were, Allah will enter him into paradise. They both reported it, meaning Al-Bukhari and Muslim reported it. The explainer says in his explanation, and the hadith is reported by, by al-Bukhari, and you'll find it in the translation, volume 6, number 644. And you'll find it in Sahih Muslim, the book of Iman, volume 1, hadith number 43. The explainer says, from Ubadah ibn al-Fahmid, Radiallahu an. First of all, he says, Ubadah ibn As-Samid. He was, obviously the noble companion, Radiallahu an. He was Ubadah ibn As-Samid, ibn Qais al-Ansari, from the Ansar in Medina. Al-Khazraji, Abu al-Walid. His kunya was Abu al-Walid. One, one of the naqib. The leaders, one of the twelve who gave pledge at the pledge of Aqaba. And when they gave the, the first pledge of, uh, the, the pledge of Aqaba, they were made leaders for the, for the rest of their people to go back to. And he was one of them. Radiallahu anhu. He says he fought at Badr and is famous and one of the most, one of the noble companions. And he died at the place called Ar-Ramla in the year 34. And he was seven. 72 years old for it is said that he lived until the Khilafah of Mu'awiyah radiallahu an then the explainer says from Ubadi ibn As-Samit radiallahu an who said Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said and gives the hadith whoever testifies that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone having no partner and that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger 
and that Isa is a slave of Allah and his messenger and that he came about through his word that he sent to Maryam and was a spirit created by him and that the paradise is true and the fire is true then Allah will enter him into paradise whatever his actions were his saying man shahida whoever testifies Whoever testifies, there is no doubt that Ash-Shahada, testifying or bearing witness, will not be a testification unless, and he brings this point here because many people just think it means whoever says it, just they say it with their tongue and that's the end of it. But here in this narration, he mentions whoever testifies this, the Shahada of this, says, and testification will not be a testification except if it is done with ilm, with knowledge, and with yaqeen, with certainty of it, and with sidq, truth. So when somebody testifies to something, it won't be counted as a testimony, as a testification, unless it gathers these three points, these three things. Ilm, knowledge, knowledge of what you're testifying. Yaqeen, certainty of it, that you're certain of it, and sidq. That you're truthful in your, and when you're saying it. You're truthful to that. Of what you're saying. However, if it is done, if one bears witness to something, upon jahl, upon ignorance, and shak, upon doubt, then it will not be counted. And it will not benefit. Somebody says that I bear, I bear witness to something, the shahada or any other testification, if it is done upon Ignorance of, of its meaning, you don't know what it means, or doubt about it, you don't, you doubt whether it's true or not, then it will not be counted, and it will not benefit. And obviously the importance of this point can be seen by the fact that this testification, at the end of the hadith, what is quoted as resting upon it, is the paradise. It's being entered into paradise, or not being entered into paradise. So that, that shows us the importance of first of all knowing, you know, what testification means, and what is required for testification to be truthful and to count at all. So he says, in such a case as this, where one testifies with ignorance or, or doubt of it, he says, then what, that such a person will just be a liar due to his ignorance of the meaning of what he is testifying to. If, he doesn't, if he's testifying to something, he doesn't know the meaning of it. Then he'll only be a liar. He's not truly testifying to something if he doesn't know his meaning. And, then he says, this, this saying, it comprises, this tremendous saying, it comprises a denial and an affirmation. So now he's giving us the meaning, so that we know what the meaning of this saying is. When we say this, la ilaha illallah, so that we know what we are saying, what we are affirming, and what we are denying. He says, it comprises a denial and an affirmation. So it denies the right to worship anything other than Allah. So by your saying, La ilaha, nothing has the right to be worshipped. You have denied worship for everything besides Allah. Everything whatsoever. And you have affirmed the right to worship for Allah alone with your saying, Illallah, except Allah. 
Allah, the Most High, says, and then as usual, he brings an ayah to back up what he's saying. شَهِدَ اللَّهُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ وَأُولُ الْعِلْمِ قَائِمًا بِالْقِسْمِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Surah Ali Imran, the third surah, ayah 18, with the meaning that Allah bears witness that none has the right to be worshipped except Him. And the angels bear witness. And the people of knowledge bear witness. In truth, or in justice, none has the right to be worshipped except Him, the Almighty and the All-Wise. Then the explainer says, so he's explained now what the meaning of this, of the kalima is, La ilaha illallah, it is a denial of worship for anything besides Allah. And it's an affirmation of worship for Allah alone. But then, and then he says, But how many people have gone astray due to the fact that they are ignorant of its meaning? And they are the majority. It's a bitter fact, but they are the majority. The ones who are ignorant of the meaning of the kalima, of the shahada, they are the majority. The ones who are ignorant of its meaning and therefore go astray. They are the majority. So, they overturn its true meaning and they affirm the right to worship that it has denied. The majority of people, the majority of the Ummah, they, they affirm the right to worship denied by this kalima. Mean they, they affirm the right to worship to others besides Allah. As he says later, whether it's somebody in the grave or, or companion people of shrines or the dead or whoever, whatever, the majority from this Ummah affirm the right to worship either in their words or in their practice and their worship, they affirm it for others besides Allah. <coughs> the very thing that is denied by the, the Shahada. So they affirm the, the right to worship that has been denied. And they affirm it for those it has been denied for from the created beings from the occupants of the grave and the shrine and the false god and the trees the false gods and the trees and the rock and the jinn and so on worship of any of these things has been denied by this kalima but the majority they affirm it in their action and their worship they worship these things and they take this as being their religion and they make examples for that and they falsely adorn this. And they take Tawheed as an innovation. And they reject it from those who call them to it. Speaking about majority of the Ummah. So they take, they reject Tawheed and they take it as being an innovation. And they reject it from those who call them to it. So they do not know from it, from Tawheed. That which even the people of the days of ignorance knew from the people of the, from the unbelievers of Quraysh and their like. These later people don't even know what the, what the kuffar of Quraysh knew with regard to Tawheed. Because they knew, those mushriks in the time of the Prophet wasallam, they knew its meaning. They knew its meaning and they rejected it. They rejected what it shows with regard to making one's worship solely and purely for Allah alone. The, the people of the mushriks in the time of the Prophet 
they understood when it was said to them, La ilaha illallah, they knew that that meant that they had to make their worship purely and solely for Allah alone and for nobody else besides Him. They knew that. So they rejected that fact. Because they knew its meaning, they rejected that meaning. They wouldn't accept it. They rejected it. And they refused to do that. As he says, as Allah the Most High said, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ وَيَقُولُونَ أَإِنَّا لَتَارِكُوا آلِهَتِنَا لِشَاعِرٍ مَجْنُونَ Surah Al-Fafat, the 37th Surah, Ayahs 35 to 36, with the explanation that they were such, the mushriks in the time of the Prophet they were such that when it was said to them, La ilaha illallah, none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, they arrogantly refused. And they said, Shall we abandon the worship of, those, of our God in favor of a mad poet? So they knew, they, they knew the meaning. When it was said to them, La ilaha illallah, they said, Shall we abandon the worship of our God? Those things that we worship, shall we abandon that? When did they say that? When it was said to them, La ilaha illallah. So they understood that meant whatever they worship, they had to abandon that. And they understood that was the meaning of La ilaha illallah. So they refused. They said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to abandon the worship of these things. He says, the, the explainer says, but the mushrik at the later part of this ummah, they also, they rejected the same that those people rejected. When they were called, likewise, to abandon the worship of whatever they worship besides Allah, with regard to graves and shrines and false gods and the like. So it says, just as those mushriks rejected this, the, late, the people of the later part of this ummah, when they are called to Tawheed and to abandon the worship of graves and shrines and false gods in whatever form, they reject it as well. The, pe- the later people of this, this later ummah, the later part of this ummah, they refuse to accept this as well. So those people, those mushriks in the past, they understood this meaning and reject and refused it. And these later people, they are ignorant of this meaning and re- and refuse it. When it, when the, the the meaning of the shahada, la ilaha illallah, they don't know the meaning. But in practice, what it means, the worship of, that you abandon the worship of everything besides Allah, they refuse to do that. They refuse to abandon the worship of their graves and their shrines and the, the things that they worship. They refuse to drop that. So therefore, you will find them, you will find one of them saying, La ilaha illallah. Yet he still calls upon others besides Allah. He still calls upon others besides Allah. Even though he says, La ilaha illallah. And Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala said, Al-ilah. Al-Ibn al-Qayyim explains the word al-ilah. What the word al-ilah that which is worship, what it means. He says, Al-ilah means that which is held as divine and worshipped by the heart in love and in awe and in turning to him and in holding in honor and in having great respect and awe and in submission and in having humility and fear, and hope, and placing reliance. 
And Al-Wazir Abu Al-Mudhaffar Rahimahullah Ta'ala said in his book Al-Ifsah his saying testification that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. It necessitates that the one bearing witness knows he has knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. It's not just enough that just somebody just says it and they don't have any knowledge whatsoever of what they're saying. It's rather it necessitates if you're testifying that you have knowledge of it. Knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah just as Allah the Most High said, فَأَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Ayah from Surah Muhammad 47, uh, Surah 47, Ayah 19. Then know, then have knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. He said, he continued, and the name, Allah's name is mentioned after إِلَّا إِلَّا اللَّهِ is mentioned after إِلَّا to show that the right to worship and divinity is binding and is certain for him. Such that nobody besides him, the most perfect, has any right to it. He says, and the benefit of this in summary, is that you know that this word comprises disbelieving and rejecting the Tawhud. It contains the Shahada, La ilaha illallah, it comprises, firstly, a rejection of the worship of At-Taghut, false god, anything worshipped besides Allah. This is contained in the Shahada. And it contains Iman, true, Iman, true faith in Allah. So, when you deny the right to worship for anything, and you make the affirmation of it for Allah alone, of its being binding for Allah alone, then when you do this, you gather these two things, then you are one who has truly disbelieved in the, in the false God, and truly believed in Allah. Obviously he's making the point in the light of the fact that many, many people from the Muslim Ummah, they say this word, they say, La ilaha illallah, but they don't disbelieve in the Tawud. They worship the Tawud, in whichever form, whether it's an idol or a grave or whatever, whatever, tree or whatever. Then he says, and Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah ta'ala said, Al-Ilah, he explains the meaning of Al-Ilah as it occurs in the Shahada. Al-Ilah is that which is, obe- uh, that which is obeyed, or the one who is obeyed and not disobeyed, in awe of him, and res- in respect for him, and out of love for him, and out of fear of him, and out of hope in him, and in depend, depending upon him, and in making request of him, and in supplicating or invoking him, and nothing from this is right except for Allah the Mighty and Majestic. So whoever associates anything from the creation in any of these affairs that are from the matters particular to the one who has the right to be worshipped, then that will be, that will strike at one sincerity in his saying, La ilaha illallah. In other words, if you say La ilaha illallah, and you fall into any association, any shirk, in these affairs that are Allah's right, then you've struck at your very saying, the truthfulness and sincerity of your saying, you've, you've, you've broken that, the truthfulness of it.
and there will therefore be. For it will contain one saying La ilaha illallah in such a case, it will contain a share of servitude towards the creation in accordance with whatever one has, one has done. Yeah, one is the greater the greater one the greater shirk that one has done, and the greater one is one is uh, associated part of the creation, and the greater the greater will be uh, the, the way is broken is the shahada la ilaha illallah. Al Bukhari said, "La ilaha illallah means I deny with a very great denial that there is anything to be worshipped in truth." except for the greatest king. And he said, and this knowledge is the greatest of remembrance that will save one from the terrors of the last hour. And one will only be upon knowledge of it if what, uh, rather, it will only be knowledge if it is beneficial. And it will only be beneficial if it comes along with submission and in acting as it necessitates. For example, for, for example, Iblis, may Allah's curse be upon him, he knows this fact. He knows the fact of La ilaha illallah. Iblis knows that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone. He knows that. But this is not beneficial knowledge for him because he does not bring along with that submission to it. He doesn't submit to that fact. And he doesn't act as is necessitated by this, this testification. He says, and if one does not do so, then it will just be pure ignorance. I say, the explainer says, after quoting these quotes, and these latecomers, they're ignorant of the meaning of La ilaha illallah, and they turn over its reali- the reality of its meaning, and they, ter- they take it to mean Tawheed or Rububiyyah. These later comers from the Ummah, they take the meaning of the Shahada, La ilaha illallah, to mean Lordship. There's no Lord except Allah. There's no Creator, and so on. As he, as he says, they take it to mean, and that's why you'll find in many books, many books of people who do not have understanding of Tawheed, when they come to explain what La ilaha illallah means, they say it means there's no Lord except Allah. There's no Lawgiver except Allah. There's no so on, so on, so on. People are ignorant of Tawheed. So they turn over the reality of its meaning and they take it to mean Tawheed of Rububiyyah, Tawheed of Lordship. Meaning the power to create. So very often you see that there's no cre- they'll, they'll say it means there's no creator except Allah. And so on. So they therefore, based upon this false understanding of theirs, they then affirm that which is denied by La ilaha illallah with regard to shirk. They are the people, because they say none, there is no Lord except Allah, then when it comes to a matter of worship, they worship people in the graves, they worship whoever, whoever, you know, prophets, they worship whoever, they worship others. Based upon this false understanding of theirs, they then affirm that which is denied by La ilaha illallah with regard to shirk. They are the people because they say there is no Lord except Allah. Then, when it comes to a matter of worship, they worship 
people in the graves. They worship whoever, whoever, you know, prophets. They worship whoever. They worship others besides Allah because they have not understood the basic shahada. They have not understood it and understood the fact that it denies any worship for anything except Allah. And they reject what it, sh- what it proves with regard to the necessity of making one's worship sincerely and purely for Allah alone. They, refu- they reject or refuse that due to their ignorance. And he, the Most High, has commanded Surah Az-Zumar, the 39th Surah, Ayah 2, with the command, then worship Allah, making the religion purely for him. And Muhyiuddin al-Nawawi, Imam al-Nawawi said, know that the matter of commanding the good and forbidding the evil has been lost, has been lost for a very, for, since very long ages of the past. Since a long time in the past it's been lost. And there remains nothing in this time except a few outer signs. And this is something very serious indeed upon which the whole affair rests. Because if that which is foul or that which is evil becomes predominant then the punishment will come down upon all. The punishment will come down upon the righteous and upon the bad. So his saying, the explainer says, so his saying, Imam Nawawi, in these times of ours, he said that in the 5th century or the 6th century. So if that was the case, then what do you think about the 10th century of Islam? And that which comes after it. When the state of strangeness in this ummah has totally overtaken it, totally overtaken and our Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah ta'ala, has explained this word very, fine, very well, with a fine and clear explanation, which he has not been preceded in, so due to the great need for that, one should refer back to that explanation. Because the point is here, sometimes, sometimes people say, what you're saying is you're saying people in the later part of this, or you're saying they're committing shirk. And that's how, you know, what a bad saying that is, and they're Muslims, and so on, and so on. And this is this saying is futile. The Prophet Sallallahu foretold, foretold that shirk would occur in this ummah. So we know it will occur. So then after that, after the Prophet Sallallahu has told us it will occur, then we don't mind, we, we don't, we're not afraid to say if it occurs, that it occurs. And try and rectify it. Then the explainer says, he's saying in the hadith, la sharika lah. Explained from the hadith, alone, having no partner, is an emphasis to, for the saying, La ilaha illallah. Because the hadith said, Man shahidan la ilaha illallah, wahtahu la sharika la. Whoever testifies that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, wahtahu alone, la sharika la. Having no partner. It is an emphasis for the first part, La ilaha illallah. Which shows it, and for which it is placed, and it is made as a protection for it, and a clarification of it. He says, this second second part of the, the saying, وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ is like an explanation for the first part. In case there's any doubt in anyone's mind with regard to the true meaning of it, the second part clarifies that, and it protects the true meaning of it. 
alone, having no partner, no sharer. So, it gives a clear explanation of the true meaning of this saying. So, it proves that its meaning is Tawheed. So, the saying, La ilaha, rejects shirk in worship, whether it is a small amount of shirk or a large amount of shirk. And that is clearly explained by his saying, La sharikala, there is to be no partner for him. No partner whatsoever for him in the right to worship. And he's saying, Wahdahu, alone, it is, carries the same meaning as illallah, except Allah. Because he is the one who is worshipped in truth, alone. To the exclusion of everything else from the inhabitants of the heavens and the earth, as is clearly shown in the decisive ayahs, and the mutawatir ahadith. So consider this clear explanation, and it will cause it will cause you to see the falsity of those who say it's allowed to supplicate anyone besides Allah. Because there are many many from the ummah who say, but you are allowed, and they bring excuses. You are allowed to call upon others besides Allah, and you have needs. You can take others as, besides Allah's intercessors, and they bring all the puny, the puny excuses. To say what you can do that. So he says, if you understand what has preceded, you'll see the futility of that. Because Allah said to his prophet, فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرَ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤَذَّبِينَ Surah Al-Shu'ara, the 26th Surah, Ayah 213. Where our Lord said to his prophet with the meaning, so do not call upon anyone along with Allah. Do not call upon anything along with Allah, anything that is worshipped. Another God. Another thing that is worshipped. Do not call or invoke anything other than Allah. Such that you would be one of those who is punished. And this was an address to the Prophet wasallam. If you called upon anything else besides Allah, invoked anything besides Allah, you would be one of those who is punished. And the other ayahs that occur and we shall mention if Allah should will. And his saying, Wahdahu, alone, is an emphasis for the affirmation. And his saying, La sharika lah, is an emphasis for the denial. So he's saying in the first part of the shahada, basically, La ilaha, is the same as you're saying, La sharika lah. And you're saying, Wahdahu, you're saying, Illallah, except Allah is the same as you're saying, Wahdahu. So he's saying basically the second part of the second part of this saying is an emphasis. Each each of the two parts of the second part is an emphasis over each of the two parts of the first part. And he's saying, and then he moves on in the explanation, and that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. He's saying that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger means that you testify that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. Meaning, you testify with truth and with certainty of that. And this necessitates... So if you, if you give this testimony, and you're truthful in that testimony, and you're certain of it, then that necessitates what? That you follow him. And that you respect his commands. 
and you respect what, what he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, forbade. And you keep to, you adhere to his sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that you don't oppose it with the saying of anybody. So now he's moving on to the second part of the shahada. That Muhammad is a slave and a messenger of Allah. What it means, and what it necessitates. So he says, if you, tru- if you truly bear witness upon that, and you're certain of it, that necessitates that you follow him then. And that you respect his commands and whatever he forbids. And that you keep to his sunnah. And that you don't oppose it with the saying of anyone. Because everyone besides him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may make mistakes. Whereas the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has been protected by Allah the Most High. And he, Allah, commanded that we should obey him, obey the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that we should copy him. And he has threatened, threatened us against abandoning obedience to him. With his saying, he the most high, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمْ الْخِيرَةَ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ Surah Al-Ahzab, 33rd Surah, Ayah 36, with the explanation, and it is not right for any believer, nor any, any male believer, nor any female believer, when Allah and His Messenger have decreed a matter, that they should have any choice about the affair, the affair of theirs. And he said, he quotes Surah An-Nur, 24th Surah, Ayah 63, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينِ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ So let those, with it meaning, so that, let those who go against his command, let them beware, lest, a fitna, lest a, a, mis, uh, a fitna, and he explains it, D- discord or whatever, language-wise, but he explains it anyway. Let them beware lest a fitna be- befalls them, or a painful punishment befalls them. Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, I am amazed at a people who know about a chain of narration, they know a hadith, and it has got an, that it has got an authentic chain of narration. And yet still, they go over to holding on to the saying of Sufyan. By Allah, or rather, and Allah says, he just quoted one of the scholars as an example, Sufyan, Sufyan authority. He said, I'm amazed that people know the authenticity of a chain of narration, going back to a narration. Even though they know it's authentic, still they hold on to the saying of, some, of anybody else, like Sufyan, for example. Whereas Allah the Most High says, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينِ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ So let those beware, those who go against His command, that a fitna should befall them, or a painful punishment should come upon them. Imam Ahmad said, Do you know what the fitna is? The fitna is shirk. The fitna is shirk. Perhaps it is the case that if, if you reject part of his saying that something of deviation will fall into your heart because of it and therefore you will be destroyed. Then the explainer says and falling short in following him 
and, abandon, and abandoning that, it has happened. And the fact that people give precedence to the sayings of people who can make mistakes. They give precedence to these sayings over the saying of the Prophet Particularly from the scholars, as will not be hidden. He says, and this is something else, just as the first part of the Shahada has been broken by the majority of this Ummah, because the majority, large part of the Ummah has committed shirk and broken the first part of the Shahada, he's saying, likewise, the second Shahada, they've managed to break that as well, by giving precedence to the saying of people over the saying of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if the, if the Ummah, it could be mentioned, that if the Ummah, or a large part of the Ummah, has broken, the, very, the first shahada, the first part of the shahada, they've broken it, and the second part of the shahada, they've broken it, then should we be surprised at the state of the ummah? Should we be surprised? And should we seek any other way to rectify it, except starting from that starting point, rectifying what the shahada shows? And then the explainer moves on to the ne- next part of the hadith, and that Isa is the slave of Allah and his messenger, and so on. Leave that till next time. Um, then we'll leave that till next time, inshallah. And this, from, from here, the circle should continue as usual, inshallah. Wednesdays, Silsila uh, to Sahiha, inshallah, and Mondays and Fridays, Tawbah Tawfid, inshallah. The saying of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimullah Ibn al-Qayyim rahimullah said Al-ilah huwa alladhi ta'allahahu al-qulub mahabbatan wa ijlalan wa inabatan wa ikraman wa ta'zeeman wa dhullan wa khudu'an wa khawfan wa raja'an wa tawakkulan That the ilah it means or the Allah is the one who is held as divine and is worshipped by the heart in love and in awe and in turning to him and in hope basically when they you know and fear the punishment that won't come particularly upon those who are doing evil. It will come for everybody. Anyway, there's a number of texts in that regard. Oh, sorry. Al-Wazir Abu Mudaffar. And then, after, after Ibn Rajab. Al-Buqa'i with Ba and Qaf and Alif and Ayn and Ya Al-Buqa'i <coughs> Yeah, that was saying of Imam Ahmad You know what is the fitna? It is shirk By going against the command of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam You'll fall, if you do that, you reject part of what he said, or then deviation will fall into your heart and you'll be destroyed.
Somebody's asked the question, how do you understand the statement of Imam al-Nawawi? And Allah the Most High says, وَمَا كَانَ رَبُّكَ لِيُحْلِكَ الْقُرَىٰ لِظُلْمُ وَإِشْ وَأَحْلُهَا مُصْلِحُونَ And Allah will not, with a rough, rough meaning, Allah, Allah will not destroy the townships due to dhulm whilst their people are muslihun, doers of good. Allah, I'm not going to comment on tafsir of any ayah unless I've got the tafsir of the ayah in front of me. Allahu A'lam, the answer to that. I'll try and check, I mean, I'll put it in here, and I'll try and check the, the tafsir of that ayah. All I know as well is that Imam Nawawi stated a fact that this, he said this, this, this ummah, the ummah was basically in a bad state, and the ummah was in a great state of, uh, a very bad state, and a state such that good, the, 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 ordering good and forbidding evil was not being carried out as it should be carried out, and evil was widespread. And that's something that is a historical fact, it's the case, it's the case that we see it, it was, he said it was at his time, and we know it's the case in our time, then, uh, Beyond that, with regard to what the tafsir of the ayah is, then Allahu Alam, I don't know. Was the point that the saying, La ilaha illallah, <coughs> contains a, a denial and an affirmation. A denial of worship of anything besides Allah, and an affirmation of the right to worship to Allah alone. And this meaning is emphasized in the second part, Wahdahu la sharika la. Because wahdahu is an emphasis of the part illallah. And this is an emphasis of the meaning of the first part, and a, a clarification of the meaning of the first part, and a protection of the meaning of the first part. So wahdahu emphasizes illallah, that worship is for Allah alone. Wahdahu, for Him alone. La sharika lahu. There is no partner for Him whatsoever. No worship be associated to anyone besides Him. So, la sharika lahu is an emphasis of the first part, la ilaha. Yeah, no, that was... As we said, we already did that bit, for those who are paying attention. And we reached the part, and that Isa is the slave of Allah and his messenger. فَأَنَّ Isa Abdullahi wa rasulu. And that Isa is the slave of Allah and the messenger. And obviously these are th- things at the end of the hadith is mentioned. One who believes in these things, then Allah will enter him into paradise, whatever actions he was upon. So the next thing that was mentioned is the belief that Isa is the slave of Allah and his messenger. And Ibn Uthaymeen, just to bring in part, part of what he said, Ibn Uthaymeen said that the first part, that Isa is the slave of Allah, Abdullah, this contains a rebuttal, a refutation of the Christians. That he is a slave of Allah, Abdullah, not the son of Allah, or not anything like that, rather the slave, a created being, the slave of Allah. That part contains a refutation of the Christians. Warasuluhu, and he is the messenger, his messenger. And that part, as Ibn Uthaymeen, Prophet Allah said, contains a refutation of the Jews. That Isa is the messenger of Allah, a refutation of the Jews. And the explainer of Qur'an al-Muhideen said, in explanation that Isa is the slave of Allah and his messenger, contains a clarification of the truth. 
which it is obligatory that we believe, such as occurs in the clear, decisive ayahs, and this contains a refutation of the unbelievers, of the Christians, and there are three kinds. Because in case, for those who have the mistaken belief that Christians cannot be called unbelievers, Christians are kuffar, Christians are unbelievers. And then he says, it contains a refutation, the truth, the true belief, contains a refutation of the disbelievers of the Christians. And there are three sects. A sect who said that Isa, Jesus, is Allah. And they were a sect, a second sect, who said that Isa was the son of Allah. And a sect who said that Allah is, a, is three. And he is the third of three, meaning Isa and his mother are the second and the third of the three, the, the trinity. So Allah, the Most High, makes clear in his book the truth. And he rebuts the falsehood. And he said, and then he quotes a long ayah from Surah Al-Nisa, Surah Al-Nisa, the fourth surah, ayah 171. يا أهل الكتاب لا تغلوا في دينكم ولا تقولوا على الله إلا الحق إنما المسيح عيسى عيسى بن مريم رسول الله وكلمته ألقاها إلى مريم وروح منه فآمنوا بالله ورسله ولا تقولوا ثلاثة انتهوا انتهوا خيرا لكم إنما الله إله واحد سبحانه أن يكون له ولد له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وكفى بالله وكيلا. With a rough explanation, the old people of the book do not go to excesses in your religion. And Ibn Kathir says in explanation of that point, just briefly, he says the Christians, they did, indeed they went to excesses. They went beyond bounds in affirmation of Isa. The Christians went in, in, beyond bounds in affirmation of Isa till they took him to the, above the station given to him by Allah. They took him above the station of prophethood and took him as one to be worshipped. And the second way in which the Christians went beyond bounds is they claimed infallibility for his followers in whatever they said. They claimed that the followers of Isa, whether it's popes or whoever, and priests and so on, they claimed these people are infallible in whatever they say. So, O people of the book, do not go to excesses in your religion and do not say about Allah except the truth. Al-Masih, Isa ibn Maryam is just the messenger of Allah and a word from him which he bestowed upon Maryam and a, a soul, a spirit created by him. So believe in Allah and his messengers and do not say three. Desist from that, it is better for you. Rather, Allah is a single one who is worshipped. High is He and far above what, and far removed from what they associate with Him. That there should be any sun for Him. Whatever is in the heavens and in the, whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth is a slave of His. And Allah is a sufficient guardian or watcher. Explain the says and other and the ayahs that, that follow on from it. And he, the Most High, said, and then the explainer brings another ayah, ayahs from Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah 17, وَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمُ With the meaning, 
that those who say that Allah is the Al-Masih Ibn Maryam, they are unbelievers, they are kafirs. And this occurs in a number of places from Surah Al-Ma'idah. It occurs in Ayah 17 and Ayah 72 of Surah Al-Ma'idah, the fifth surah. And Allah the Most High, He informs us about what the Masih alayhi salam said whilst he was in the cradle. So Allah the Most High said, Our Lord informs us about what Isa alayhi salam himself said about himself. What he said when he was a baby in the cradle. So Allah the Most High said, and then he quotes a long ayah from Surah Maryam, the 19th Surah, ayahs 27 to 36. فَأَتَتْ بِهِ قَوْمَهَا تَحْمِلُهُ قَالُوا يَا مَرْيَمُ لَقَدْ جِئْتِ شَيْئًا فَرِيَّةً يَا أُخْتَ هَارُونَ مَا كَانَ أَبُوكِ إِمْرَأَ سُوءٍ وَمَا كَانَتْ أُمُّكِ بَغِيَّةً فَأَشَارَتْ إِلَيْهِ قَالُوا كَيْفَ نُكَلِّمُ مَنْ كَانَ فِي الْمَهْدِ صَبِيَّةً قَالَ إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ آتَانِي الْكِتَابَ وَجَعَلَنِي نَبِيًّا وَجَعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ فأوصاني بالصلاة والزكاة ما دمت حيا وبرا بوالدتي ولم يجعلني جبارا جبارا شقيا والسلام علي يوم ولدت ويوم أموت ويوم أبعث حيا ذلك عيسى بن مريم قول الحق الذي فيه يمترون ما كان ما كان لله أن يأتخذ من ولد سبحانه إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له with a rough meaning that what was said so she brought him Maryam alayhi salam after giving birth to Isa she brought him to his, pe- to, his to her people carrying him they said oh Maryam you have come with something very serious oh sister of Harun and contrary to what I told one of the brothers the correct meaning of this, your old sister of Harun, it means that she was a, uh, literally, the sister of a man called Harun. The correct meaning is that her brother, was, his name was Harun. And they say in explanation, in those days, that her, her brother was a man and called after the prophet Harun, who came before, many years before. And the, the fact of that is because they used to give the names to their children, the names of prophets to their children. And this explanation is found in Sahih Muslim. So she brought him, so they said, they said, they said to her, O sister of Harun, your father was not an evil man, and nor was, was your wom- nor was your mother a woman who committed fornication. So she made a sign to him, she indicated him out. They said, how can we speak to one who is a, a, a baby in the cradle? He said, that's Isa alayhi salam, he was a, a, a baby and he spoke. He said, I am the slave of Allah. This is what Isa alayhi salam said about himself. He said, I am the slave of Allah, Abdullah. And Ibn Kathir says, just in briefly, he says, the first thing that Isa spoke with, the first word that Isa alayhi salam spoke here, was to declare his Lord perfect and free, from having any child, and to affirm for himself that he was a slave and worshipper of Allah. So in other words, he declared he declared his Lord free from having any child. 
and he declared himself just to be a slave of Allah. So he said, I am the slave of Allah. He has given me the book and made me a prophet and has made me a teacher of good wherever I am and has commanded me with the prayer and with the zakat as long as I am alive and has made me one who is good to his parents and has not made me one too arrogant to worship him. Has not made me one who is too arrogant to worship him and wretched. And security from shaitan, as-salamu, security from, from Satan is upon me. On the day I was born, I'm secure from shaitan. On the day I was born, on the day I will die, and on the day when I will be raised up alive. And Ibn Kathir brings the point, he said these, Isa mentions that he was granted freedom and security from the devil, from shaitan, these three times. The day when he was born, and the day when he will die, and the day when he will be raised up alive. Ibn Kathir said, because these are the three most difficult times for the servant. The day when he's born, the day when he dies, and the day when he's raised up. And Isa Islam mentions, on all of these three days, he's free from, uh, is secure from the devil, from shaitan. And security from shaitan is for me, on the day I am born, on the day I die, and on the day I will be raised alive. That is Isa ibn Maryam, the saying of truth about which they dispute. And they dispute, mean the Christians say one thing, and the Jews say something opposite. It does not befit Allah that he should take a son. Free is he from, free and far removed is he from that. When he decrees a matter, then he just says to it, be, and it is. And Allah is my Lord. So Isa declares that he is, again, Allah is his Lord, and he declares the Lordship of, his, of Allah. And Allah is my Lord, and your Lord. Fa'buduhu, then worship, so worship him. And here in the cradle, Isa used Allah's Lordship as a proof of Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. So because Allah is our sole Lord, that means a proof for Uluhiyya that we should therefore worship him alone and worship nothing besides him. That Allah is my Lord and your Lord, therefore worship him alone. This is the straight way. The straight way to salvation. The explainer continues, So he, the Most High, made clear the straight way, which is such that one who follows it is saved, and one who leaves it is destroyed. And he, the Most High, says, and then he quotes the ayah from Surah Ali Imran, the third surah, ayah 59 to 60. إِنَّ مَثَلَ عِيسَىٰ عِنَّ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ آدَمْ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكْ فَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ That regarding Allah's power to create, the likeness of Isa with Allah is that likeness of Adam. He created him from earth, from clay. Then he said to him, Be, and he was. This is the truth from your Lord, so do not be one of the doubters. The explainer says, So he the Most High explained the straight way with such an, explana uh, an explanation that is clear and sufficient and complete. And he established his proof upon his Tawheed that he alone is to be worshipped. So he affirmed the truth and he destroyed the falsehood even if the mushriks hate it.
Then the explainer moves on and says the part of the hadith and that Isa is kalimatuhu alqaha ila Maryam a word from him that Isa, we have to believe that Isa is a word from Allah which he bestowed or sent to, to Maryam. This word means he's saying kun. He's saying of our Lord kun, be. The meaning of Isa is a word from Allah means the word of our Lord kun. The uncreated word of our Lord kun, be. And through that word Isa a.s. was. So he, our Lord, created him with his saying kun, be. So Isa was. So this contains an affirmation of the attribute of speech for our Lord the Most High. Contrary to the saying of the Jahmiyyah also. So not only is it containing a, con- a contradiction of what the, the Christians say, but here is an affirmation that our Lord speaks. And which is a contradiction to the Jahmiyyah. And his saying, and waruhum min, and a spirit created by Allah. Meaning, one of the spirits which were taken out of the loins of Adam, alayhi salam, that Isa, alayhi salam, was one of those spirits. One of the spirits whom Allah took his covenant, whom Allah took his covenant upon. That he, that they agreed that he, Allah, the Most High, is their Lord, and the one whom they are to worship. Just as he, the Most High, said. And then he quotes Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh surah. Ayah 172. And when your Lord took the covenant, or rather, when your Lord took out from the children of Adam, or the descendants of Adam took out uh, the souls of the sons of Adam from their loins, and he caused them to bear witness. And, may, and caused them to bear witness against themselves. Am I not your Lord? They said, Indeed, we have borne witness that you are our Lord. And the ayahs. And the spirit of Isa is one of those spirits. One of those spirits who was taken out is the, was the spirit of Isa alayhi salam. Ibn Kathir just mentions the point here. That bearing witness about something, it can be bearing witness by by one's words or by by the one's condition, by by words or by condition. That your condition tells us something. Sometimes, it, if you want to know something from someone, you ask him something and he tells you. Sometimes you can see what what condition he is without even speaking to you. You can see you can see what condition he's upon. And sometimes his condition, the fact of what you see in front of you, is is more truthful than his tongue. His tongue may lie, but his condition you can see it in front of you. Isa salam, was one of those souls which Allah the Most High created. And Ibn Jarir at Tabari he reports from Wahab Ibn Munabbih who said Jibreel blew breath into this the opening of the gown of Maryam until the, the breath reached her womb and held onto the breath. And from a he just quotes a number of reports from Ibn Jirir at Tabari from some of the Tabi'een. Maybe correct. Maybe maybe from the people of uh, the Banu Israel. Allahu Alam. Uh, this is what he says. From Wahab ibn Munabbih who said, meaning he's saying, how did the, how did the, the spirit 
Esau's spirit come to be in his body. Then he gives some expl- some explanations which may or may not be correct. He says Jibril from Wahab ibn Munabbih from the Tabi'een who said Jibril blew into the the gown and the opening of the gown of Maryam until the breath reached the womb and it held onto it. And from Astudi that the breath reached reached her chest and she be- uh, she became with child. And Ibn Juraj said. They say, or even either they say, he breathed into the opening of, the, of her gown and her sleeve. End, end of that briefly, he says. So, Allah alam the correctness of any of these sayings, but anyway, that's what he says. So, Jibreel, what we know for certain, Jibreel blew, Jibreel breathed the spirit of Isa, and it was Allah who created him. It was Allah who created him with his name, Kun, B. So he was, so Esau was. Just as Allah the Most High said in Surah Al-Hijr, the 15th Surah, Ayah 29, فَإِذَا سَوَّيْتُهُ وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِي That when I have fashioned him, concerning Adam alayhi salam, when I have fashioned him and breathed in him from my spirit. And here, my spirit, it means an honor. It's an honor given to that Allah's declared the spirit of uh, Adam it is my spirit meaning a spirit which I have honored given honor to and that's the point where they uh, where the Christians go astray as well when they say that Isa alayhi salam they say they say he was a spirit from Allah meaning he was a part of Allah and that's where the Christians go astray they say Isa being a spirit from Allah and a word from Allah they say he was Allah's word Whereas the truth is, Isa was not Allah's word. Isa was created through Allah's word. Allah said, Kun, be, and then the created Isa was. And Isa was a spirit created by Allah. Coming from Allah, meaning created by Allah. Whereas the Christians say, no, he was spirit from Allah, meaning he was part of Allah. So it's misunderstanding this, that the Christians became unbelievers, became kafirs, and, and therefore people of the hellfire. It's a misunderstanding of this. Then the explainer says, so how, how free and far removed from any defects is the one who is such that nobody else besides him creates. Allah alone creates. Nobody besides him creates. And nobody besides him may be worshipped. Then he says, and some of the Christians, they try and seek a proof against the scholars of the Muslims in the saying of Allah the Most High, وَرُوحٌ مِّنْهُ and a spirit from him. So they try and say a spirit from him, that Isa being a spirit from Allah, they say it means from him, meaning part of him. So it is to be said in reply, this saying that Isa is a spirit from Allah is not particular to Isa Rather, all created things are described in the same way. As our Lord the Most High said, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمْ And he quotes Surah Al-Jathiyah, Ayah 13. Surah Al-Jathiyah, Ayah 13. وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مِنْهُ And that Allah has subjected to you everything, or rather, that Allah has subjected, subjected for you that which is in the heavens and that which is in the earth. All of it is from Him. So our Lord describes everything in being in the heavens and in the earth as being from Him. مِنْهُ The same, the same word. Isa is a spirit. رُوحٌ مِنْهُ Allah described everything in the, in the heavens and earth as being jami'am minhu, as being from him. Meaning what? 
created by him. Even the Christians can't say that all of that, everything in the heavens, everything in the earth, is a part of our Lord. How free and far removed is he from that? Rather, it means created by him. Meaning, created and produced by him. And Isa is likewise created by Allah. Allah created him and, pro- and produced him just as he created the rest of the created beings. And also in this hadith, there is a rebuttal, a re- refutation of the Jews, the enemies of Allah and the enemies of the Prophet and his messengers. Because they and the Christians, because what's preceded has been a refutation of the Christians. It says because these, the Jews, they and the Christians are on two opposite sides in this matter. Rather, so the Jews, they declared about Isa, the Christians declared him to be Allah or the son of Allah and these, these things. The Jews did the opposite. They uh, described him as being a child of fornication. May Allah kill them. Amen. So Allah declared them, so Allah the Most High declared them to be liars in his book. And he refuted their saying. Just as he refuted the saying of the extremists from the Christians, as has proceeded in the ayahs before. So the Christians went beyond bounds with regard to Isa ibn Maryam, alayhi salam. To the most extreme way of going beyond bounds. And the most extreme of unbelief and misguidance. And the Jews, they fell so short. And they violated his right and were evil, spoke evilly in his regard and spoke in the most offensive manner about him. And both of these two groups, the Jews and the Christians, they have gone very far astray. And Allah the Most High explains this in many places of, of his book. And he the Most High has explained the truth and made clear what is true and has raised up the honor of Isa alayhi salam and has declared him to be one of the messengers of the firmest resolve, Ulul Azam. He declared Isa salam to be one of the five messengers with the firmest resolve, the Ulul Azam and the Rusul, the five messengers who are described as being the firmest in, in their resolve, and Isa being one of them. And they are mentioned in Surah Al-Ahzab and Surah Al-Shura. And he commanded his prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he should have patience just like they had patience these five so he said our Lord said have patience O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam have patience just as those promised and resolved from messengers had patience so they are the best of the messengers certainly and the Prophet ﷺ is the best out of them. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi wa And upon all of, may, Allah's, may Allah extol and grant blessings of peace upon all of them. And upon our, our messenger and upon all the prophets and the messengers and upon those who follow them upon good until the day of judgment. Then the explainer moves on to the last part of the hadith. The last part of what is essential to believe in this regard. And that the paradise is true. And that the fire is true. The explainer says, he's saying, and that the paradise is true. It is something that Allah has prepared. The paradise is something that Allah has already prepared for the believers. On the day of resurrection. And we must believe in the palaces. In the palaces contained in it. The palaces and the fruits 
and the delight, the everlasting delights, and the blessing of looking at the noble face of Allah. As Allah the Most High said, Afa'an ghayra majdood, ghayra majdood. Surah Hud, 11th Surah, Ayah 108. This is something that is a gift to us without end, not being cut off. This blessing in paradise is a gift that has no end. And our Lord the Most High said, from in Surah Sajda, 32nd Surah, Ayah 17, فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ أَعْيُنٍ جِزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ So no soul knows that which is kept hidden and uh, reserved for them with regard to delight as a reward for that which the deeds that they used to do. And he's saying, and that the fire is true. It is something that Allah the Most High has prepared for those already prepared, for those who disbelieve in him and commit shirk with him, associating others in worship with him and associating others in lordship with him. And those who do ilhad, those who belie or reject the truth of his names and his attributes, and one who does not believe in the paradise and the fire, then he has disbelieved in the Qur'an and he has disbelieved in the messengers and he has disbelieved in what they were sent with. Because Allah the Most High has made clear about the paradise and what he, and the delight, everlasting delight he has prepared in it. And he has mentioned that it is the, the, the final home for the pious, obedient servants. And our Lord has mentioned about the fire and the torment that it contains and that he has prepared it for those who disbelieve in him and who commit shirk, worship others along with him. And at the end of the hadith, he said that one who believes, one who testifies in these things and believes in these things, And we remember the chapter is the excellence of Tawheed and the sin. That one who testifies to these things, then Allah will enter him into paradise. Whatever his deeds were. And with regard, with regard to the entry into paradise, Ibn Uthaymeen, Hafizullah, he, made, he mentioned the point, he says entry, entry into paradise is of two kinds. Because the point that we need to bear in mind so that we can understand when there are other texts which seem to say something, we, we have trouble understanding how, this text, how we understand this text along with this one. He says entry into paradise is of two kinds. One, a complete entry, which is not preceded by any punishment. Then this is, and this is for the person who does his actions completely and perfectly. Then he'll be entered into paradise and not punished before his entry into paradise. And secondly, is entry into paradise, which is deficient, because deficient in the sense that it's preceded by by punishment, punishment in the fire. And this is for those whose actions are deficient, meaning. His good deeds are less than his bad deeds. And Allah did not forgive him. And so on, so on, so on. Meaning his bad deeds outweigh his good deeds. And he wasn't forgiven. Therefore he's punished first. And then he's entered into paradise. And the explainer says, he's saying, 
Allah will enter him into paradise, whatever his deeds were. This is the response, this is the answer to a condition which was made at the start. The condition being right from the start of the hadith onwards, whoever bears witness that, and all the things that are mentioned in the hadith, then the response, the result of that is, Allah will enter him in, if he does all of that, Allah will enter him into paradise, whatever his deeds were. Meaning, whoever bears witness that none has a right to be worshipped except Allah, to the end of it, then Allah will enter him into paradise. Meaning, do you, what, uh, do you, to his sincerity, in worship, he is sincerely and purely worshipped Allah alone, therefore Allah will enter him into paradise. And due to his truthfulness upon that, and due to his having iman, all the things mentioned in the hadith, and due to his having iman in his messengers, and what they were sent with, and, to the, and due to the fact that he has opposed the Christians and the Jews in their excessiveness and their falling short with regard to Isa. And he knows for certain that Isa is a slave of Allah and the messenger of Allah and he is a person who believes in the paradise and the hellfire. Then whoever is such a person as that, then Allah will enter him into paradise. Even if he falls short in his actions. And even if he has sinned. So this extremely great good deed, it will outweigh all sins. So consider this hadith, because it is something very great. And Allah knows best. Obviously it's very great, because it's a statement that the person who comes with this, will be a person of paradise. will be a person who forever and forever and forever will remain in paradise. And will, will, if he, he will either will never go into the hellfire, or if he goes in, he'll come out and never return to it. He'll forever live in paradise. Forever and ever. When a country, there are those who remain in the hellfire forever and ever and ever, and it never comes to an end, and they're tormented forever. So, the one who is granted this blessing, and that is the greatest of the blessings. May Allah grant, grant us that. And Ibn Uthaymeen, Hafizullah, he adds a point here, and he says this hadith, it contains a proof against the murji'ah, and the Khawarij, and the Mu'tazila. It contains a proof against the Murji'ah. Since they say it is enough for a person to say La ilaha illallah. So this is, this is referring to the next hadith. From, from the Shah on the next hadith. The next hadith being now, the first hadith here, the hadith of Abadi ibn al being reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslims. 